This episode is probably brought to you by Arcage. Arcage is an epic fantasy MMORPG free of predefined paths and progression. You're free to choose your own path and play your way from your starting homeland to far-off lost shores which contain the birthplace of magic. You can wield incredible powers drawn from 120 unique character class combinations, master over 20 vocations, build houses and manors in the open world, farm, trade, forge alliances and lay ways to all that stand in your way. Or you can turn your back on it all and live as a pirate, traders and pillaging the high seas for plunder and gold. Check out the Arcage website at www.arcagegame.com, all one word. everyone and welcome to we hate people the podcast that's been telling you what to think since 1912 we warned you about the kaiser but did you listen no this is episode eight recorded sunday august 30th 2015 i'm your host simon potter and if you look up the word gullible in the dictionary you'll see words describing the definition because that's how dictionaries work but maybe that's news to my co-host the redoubtable david holloway how's it going sir yeah good Kaiser, that's a word I haven't heard in a lot of years. And it, you know what it always reminds me of, besides the obvious? What? Uh, the German World War One. what always seemed to be a World War One helmet with the spike on it uh, in the credits of Hogan's Heroes. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's that came from World War One. Yeah. So <laughs> I th- think it was a... Uh, a probably a uh, probably a Prussian um, cavalry regiment, I yeah, think. Yeah, it looked like... yeah. It always fascinated me why it was in Hogan's Heroes being in World War II, besides the historical aspect, I suppose. I, I think that was Colonel Clink's attempt to link himself to a, a venerable... Proud history. ...background, yes. I loved historically accurate US sitcoms of the 1960s. Oh, my father loved that show. <laughs> and, but, but anyway, so, so what's the obvious one, then? What's the obvious Oh, the, uh, Kaiser, as far as meaning the, the ruler of Germany, that's the obvious word the kaiser means we've always think of that hat for some reason oh it's got a yeah so that the word kaiser and czar um all trace back to the root of caesar oh there you go there you go that's 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 that's, you see different spellings of czar but it's you know sometimes it's the the, with a was it tz and sometimes it's a yeah it's a ts and cz yeah Sorry, Z. Sorry, yeah. Um, and I just thought of a third Kaiser. Wasn't there a cask wine called Kaiser Stuhl or Stuhl? Kaiser Stuhl cask wine? Does that S- mean king, king shit? Well, I don't know. Yeah, S-T-U-H-L was my recollection. Anyone else remember that? I'm sure it was cask wine. I just remember seeing that at the bottle shop. Uh, I'm going to go with no on that. Yeah, I don't know. But back to my original question, how are you? Yeah, not bad. It's been a while. Um, I'm not sure I'm liking this new once a month for We Hate People, but the alternative is, you know, fatigue and 
early death. So I'm choosing to go with their monthly approach. Well, that's um, uplifting. You have something against early death? <laughs> no. Well, I want to live to be old as Bart Cummings and Oliver Sacks. God rest their souls. Both of them dying today. I just had to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, our overseas listeners won't know who the hell Bart Cummings is, but I think most people will know who Oliver Sacks is. That's that's very true. Uh, well, no, actually, well, tell the people who Oliver Sacks is, and then we'll briefly touch on Bart Cummings. Yeah, so Oliver Sacks, best known uh, as a neurologist and writer, had some wrote some fascinating books. Uh, the most memorable one for its title being the woman, uh, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Um, basically, really interesting neurological case studies of some really strange neurological phenomena. Um, but in pop culture, he's probably he's the basis on which Robin Williams uh, played the character in Awakenings, which I thought was a pretty amazing movie. I knew of Oliver Sacks before that in my undergrad studies, but um, Awakenings sort of brought his work to a much wider audience. So he died today aged 84, and Bart Cummings was 87 or so. I'm sorry if I got those wrong, but they're both in the, well in their 80s. Oh, Bart Cummings being what, Simon, a, a racehorse trainer? Yes. Um, basically equestrian royalty, or at least as close as Australia's uh, ever going to get to. That's right. That sort of thing. Yeah, he was born in uh, 1927, and he was the son of a, a trainer himself. Um, so, yeah, he's, to, to go through all of the accomplishments would, uh, would A, take a long time, and B, be uh, mind-bogglingly boring for people yes. to listen to this. But uh, it, it's, it's worth noting his passing. He was... He bore a slight resemblance to Celeste Patterson, I think it's... He did too. ...in his later years. Um, but, yes, no, it's, uh, it's always, always sad to see, to see people go, but then it's a wonderful opportunity for the torch to be passed to the next generation and to, to the future. So here's to the future. Um, on Bart Cummings, it's like, yeah, he died, a bit of a nod to him, a bit of a legend. But speaking of Les Patterson, when Barry Humphreys dies, I reckon there should be a public holiday in, of mourning for him. That guy's a legend. If you say so. You don't like Barry Humphreys? I know that there's a certain sector of the community enjoy his humour. Um, I'm not one of them. Oh, there you go. Uh, he, he's very popular in the UK. Yeah. Uh, mostly because they tend to go a, a little bit, they're not quite as bad as the Japanese in uh, enjoying people, seeing people humiliated on television. <laughs> the, the English aren't that far behind in enjoying that sort of nonsense. I've never been able to stand that kind of thing. I, I just prefer to leave the room. Thank you very much. Yeah, he's Les Pat I saw um, Barry Humphreys on the Dame Edna farewell tour or the Barry Humphreys farewell tour about be three years ago now. Um, and he, he dragged out all his characters. Dame Edna was the dominant one, but Les Patterson got a good outing as well. And, yeah, it, it was a hugely funny uh, night. I can't remember whether I... I have a feeling on a flashpoint, at some stage I've told the joke of the night there and i'm not sure i should repeat it here 
I leave that up to you because I don't know what that is. Yeah, and plus I'm going to try and recall a three-year-old joke and that could end disastrously, so let's just leave it. But, yeah, anyway, sorry, taking us off topic as always. No, that's, I mean, he's a very smart man. There's no two ways about that. Um, his characters are vicious, venal, and, uh, and certainly in the case of Sir, Sir Les, um, pretty disgusting. But, like I say, there's plenty of people out there that enjoy that sort of thing. Um, enjoy abuse and and um, and horror and disgust, which kind of folds neatly into Konami. <laughs> so, tell me, I, I all I know about Konami, and this is probably going to make a, a bunch of people groan in the audience, and probably you yourself, Simon. I know Konami as a game distributor, d- developer. Publisher. Publisher. Yeah. yeah. That's all I know. Literally all I know. Well, we say, we say publisher, but they, they have internal studios. So they have internal studios and then they publish those games, which is, uh, as most people know who listen to this, who we're pretty sure, on fairly safe ground thinking that most of you are gamers. Yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons why we're touching on this because there's, we want to have a bit of a, just a bit of a ramble about some, some things going on which... Flashpoint doesn't really have the, the framework to, to cover. So, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain just came out. Is that what it's called, The Phantom Pain? Phantom Pain. So people that make fun of The Phantom Menace, um, <laughs> that joke's sailed. You can't do that anymore. Sorry. I was more thinking about people that get Phantom Pain after they've had limbs chopped off. Is that what the actual title's alluding to? I would imagine so. Okay. I don't know any specifics because I'm probably intend to play this at some point but uh, as, I've, as I've said on Twitter I'm going to buy one second hand because I don't want Konami getting one red cent of it. Now I think most people who follow games at all are probably pretty well aware uh, that Konami have had some very 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 bad press of late. Uh, there's been some, some leaks of rather murky Practices not not as far as their business goes, but uh, because I think anyone who's kept an eye on them would know that they've got no idea what they're doing as far as business goes, at least as far as video games go. Uh, it's more to do with the way they treat their staff. So uh, public humiliations if uh, if you you're out for lunch too long, uh, randomised email addresses so people don't get. Well, contacted basically. <laughs> you can't contact them. most of the stuff unless they're outward-facing PR type people. Um, so I think that the emails get randomised every is it every two weeks? Something ridiculous. Every seven days, something something insane. Um, cameras that are installed not for security, but to actually watch what the staff are doing. Um, when new staff come on board, they just basically get sat at a desk um, and are expected to start their job day one regardless of whether anyone's told them what the practices are what they need to do or whether they've even got any of the computer they need to do their job and if failure to to meet expectations however reasonable reasonable uh, results in some unpleasant consequences uh, to know more about this all you really have to do is google it or just uh, jump on to jim sterling's website and have a bit of a through that he's uh, he's got some very specific and definite opinions 
on Konami. So is the, is the proof of all this from, what, uh, former employees leaked from current employees anonymously? What, what's, the, what's the source? And a report done by Nikkei. Sorry, what was that? And a report done by Nikkei. Okay. You know, like the, uh, the, the stock people. Oh, okay. So it's it's not uh, it's not all it's not all wild rumor. No, no. Certainly been no denials. Okay. I, but anyway, um, so yeah, it sounds like a, a bit of an unpleasant place to work at, at least in Japan. What their what their North American and uh, Oceanic and European channels are like, I don't know. So that's that's enough to make you just look twice at them. But really, what it comes down to for us is what they have done with um, Silent Hill. And uh, you're probably aware of the uh, Guillermo del Toro's being in, potentially being involved in a, an upcoming game which then got summarily cancelled. And I think they ended up just bringing out, bringing out a, a, a chinko machine. That was, that was, that was, that's the new Silent Hill game. Okay. And we're not going to see anything else happen in, from Metal Gear either, unless it's another pachinko machine. Uh, they're, they're pushing this thing out after um, firing the, the, the visionary has been behind the, the entire series. So that's, yeah, that, that's also been pretty well documented, I think it's fair to say. I suppose the thing that's really annoys me most about them, um, most of you will probably already know as well that most of their money does come from yes, pachinko parlors, so basically the Asian version of slot machines, and um, health clubs, gyms. That's a nice that's contrast. Nice. Well, yeah, look, that's one of the things you find if you have a look at, um, at uh, Japanese history, and the same with Korean companies as well, is they tend to diversify, like you can buy your... Your um, from Samsung, you can buy a DVD player, a TV, a mobile phone, a washing machine, or a super tanker. Yeah, that's true. And so it's fair to say, and there's a, there's the, that's definitely something that Japanese companies uh, did as well. A, a lot of them actually started off as the um, uh, old samurai clans. So yeah. it's got some very very old links, um, and a lot of the powers very much. Uh, passed along family lines. Uh, Nintendo's probably, Iwata-san um, uh, being, I think, notable for being someone who wasn't actually uh, either directly related or related by marriage to the, the family that ran it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Konami, they are they're, they're going into mobile games. They've pulled out, they are pulling out of AAA. I don't think there's any, any way anyone could deny that. And okay, so mobile games, yes, everyone's getting into mobile games. But actually, Konami closed down 31, um, 31 online games uh, because they want to focus entirely on free to play with microtransactions. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not they're not being shy about their future plans. The sad thing is just the, the way they've treated their staff, the way they've treated their products, the way they've treated their properties, their intellectual properties, and the way they've treated their fans, it's just so incredibly disrespectful. It's always been a bit of a shooting fish in a barrel thing with Konami in the way they release things and how they release things. It's not made a lick of sense for a very long time. But 
have you any thoughts on this? Uh, Konami specifically, I mean, the whole move to mobile games doesn't, yeah, as you said, it's not surprising. It's it's obviously just a, a revenue grab. Um, and I'm guessing, not based on any knowledge, that the management structure or the, the ownership uh, don't have any games pedigree, so that it's just purely a, a financial decision for them. As far as the treatment of staff, if all that's proven to be uh, a fact, then that's actually going to come back and bite them on the ass anyway, whether they're doing mobile games or otherwise, because you'll, you'll have huge staff churn, you won't have people staying, particularly with mobile games. I can't imagine there's a whole cohort of developers out there who have a, a massive passion for mobile games if the focus is more that slot machine gambling sort of stuff. Like, you know, I can't imagine Candy Crush as an example that there's dozens and dozens and dozens of developers who think they've landed in their dream job. No, I don't, yeah, as, as you say, it's it's the sort of thing that's a good starting ground for, for people, for people to cut their teeth on. Yeah. I think it's why the indie, indie world is so full of um, retro platformers. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, to make a good one um, takes talent and is difficult, but it, it's also one of the easiest uh, one of the easiest types of game to make as well. Do, so, yeah. so, and that's why we, we see so many of them and, and PlayStation Plus, there's <laughs> so many of them. Oh, God. Yeah, but we won't talk about that right now. No. Um, but, yeah, so as far as treatment, I think it, most companies find that if you have that, and particularly if they're getting a lot of bad publicity and, and the Nikkei, if you said if they're actually confirming there's an issue there, that's got to be hurt, hurting them in a big way. So whether they turn that around, at least from a PR viewpoint, and say, no, we're treating everyone better or actually make some substantive changes, if they don't, they may not have a, a great future. Yeah. The, the sad thing is I don't actually think it's going to make any difference to their future one way or the other. I'd like to, I'd like to think it it would, but the, they don't really give a damn about the West. Um, they want to obviously they want to shift as many units of um, Metal Gear Solid Five as they can. Yeah, uh, but but after that, uh, now, yeah. it's more the employee retention stuff. So I and this is all based on very broad, non-specific knowledge. But Japan has one of the most aging populations in the world. I'm assuming. Uh, unemployment's not a big issue in Japan. And if anything, I would have thought well-trained games developers or, or programmers, if not games developers, would be in huge demand. And therefore, if you're working for a shitty company that's treating you badly, unless they're paying you an absolute fortune above the rest of the market, you're just going to have huge churn, which will affect the quality of what you're putting out anyway. Even if it is just simple, you know, mobile games. And, and I need to have, so I'm not saying all mobile games are simple because, by God, they're not, but assuming that they're doing more simple ones. Yeah. yeah it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of sad. It's, in a way, it's a bit like seeing, because uh, a lot of people have, you know, how nostalgic people get and uh, how invested people get in, in franchises and, and Metal Gear's obviously a, a pretty substantial. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. It's iconic. I've never played it, to be honest, because I just suck those sort of games but it's an iconic brand I, I did try playing it once I couldn't figure out what the hell I was supposed to go and that was after falling asleep during one of the cutscenes <laughs> it's, it's for it's for a, someone who's familiar with it or someone who enjoys that sort of game specifically so I don't have I'm not talking about any of this as an embittered 
Metal Gear fan, I really I know of Solid Snake and the other other varieties of Snake, but yeah. So, so I don't think this is a, an embittered fan rant. I'm just kind of it's just the the horribleness of a, a publisher, and I suppose this is their just their one long last piss on people who have been buying their products for a very long time. Now, hopefully. Uh, MGS5 turns out to be a great game. Mm. Um, not for Konami's sake, but for Hideo Kojima and everyone that worked on it. So, yeah. I, I have particularly liked what um, JB Hi-Fi here in Australia have been doing. They've just been uh, on the, the pre-order stands. They were just slapping up big signs saying um, a Hideo Kojima production because, of course, that's one of the, the part of the, the, uh, that's something that piece of flavor text was removed from the game packaging by Konami, along with a bunch of other petty things yeah. I've done. They, they, they've been there's been some rather nasty fighting going on between these uh, these the individual and the group. Thank God there are more you know cultured, reputable, ethical games publishers like I don't know Activision. Oh yeah, they are much much better. That's true. And Ubisoft. Mm, I'm not Ed, so I'm not going to rant about <laughs> So, yes, we have, uh, we have chosen to chart different courses. We, we've chosen uh, something different on our in-real-life dialogue trees, haven't we? Yeah, we, we've, we've come as close as we ever have to a, not an argument, but on, on Twitter. So we, we're talking about destiny here, aren't we? Are we? Yes. Yes, yes we are. So... Yeah. Um, for those that listen to that other podcast, Simon and I have been uh, with the game Destiny. If, you, if you've lived on another planet, Destiny is essentially a, the great release from Bungie Entertainment that um, follows up from the Halo series of games set in the same, would it be safe to say, universe? Nope. No. Completely different universes. Seriously? Yeah. Why did I think they were based on Halo? Because... Um, I've never played Halo. Bungie did a bit of a copy paste. No, that's not true. Well, maybe that's a bit. Why true. did I think it was like I knew it wasn't the same storyline or anything lore or like, but I I thought it was an evolution from that story wise. I didn't realise it had no relationship. No, the combat evolved came with the first Halo game. Oh, there you go. I don't know uh, where I got that from. Probably well, just where they said from the producers of Halo, and I assumed it was linked. There's that, and probably the fact that someone and one of them, those people, might have been me, um, going that. It's like Halo, but on a PlayStation. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, so that's probably where I've got it from. But that, um, yeah, so we've both been playing since launch. There's, there was some very, very legitimate criticisms of it post-launch. Um, they'd cut a whole bunch of stuff they'd promised originally by launch because they weren't able to deliver it on time. Uh, they copped an absolute bollocking. The, the first expansion, um, God, I'm having a mental blank. What was the first expansion? Uh, was it the dark? The, the, yeah, the dark below. Yeah, that's it. Dark below was very minimal, to say the least. Calling it an expansion was being very kind. Um, and then the House of Wolves, which is the the last ex- expansion, which I just finished playing the content of. It was definitely more substantive than the dark below, but that's a very low base to come from. Mm. Um, and then the Taken King looks like it'll be 
as close to a true expansion as you'll get out of Bungie at the moment, and it's coming out on the 15th of September. And I think our disagreement is you... Well, you, I'm not going to give you um, summarise your, no, no, your no, approach, but... Do, do. I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah, so my understanding of your approach is that they have sucked so badly at releasing these expansions and they are gouging money so badly, which I wouldn't disagree with, um, that there is no way I'm buying this damn expansion until they um, either A drop the cost significantly or B, prove to me that this expansion is a, a bloody good one before I'm going to part with any money. Hmm, that's, yeah, that's not a million miles away. There's, okay. there's, there's probably some, some um, I could adjust the, the colour balance slightly on it. And I mean, my, my view was pretty much the same until two or three weeks ago. And then I thought, oh, because I, I, I've been playing Castle Wolfenstein, I thought I really need to at least play an hour or so of, of um, Destiny because the controls for Wolfenstein are very different to Destiny. And because I'm an old man now, I was worried I would totally forget how to use the controller. <laughs> so I, I logged in. It was about 10 days ago and I've been now playing every day again since because we've talked on the other podcast about how it's a bit like crack in that respect that the actual gameplay is extremely good. Um, albeit very repetitive as far as lack of new content. Um, so I'm back in and, and I have pre I have pre-ordered the Taken King. As much as I gritted my teeth doing it, I've forked over $99.90 for the basic Taken King expansion, which comes out on the 15th. So you got a digital upgrade, did you? No, no, the, I went into um, EB Games and no, I'm getting the physical one. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's yeah. good to know. So you can buy the expansion just on its own. Yeah, you can buy the expansion just on its own, pre-ordered, and you even went into the draw for a Nintendo 3DS. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so yeah, ninety nine ninety. I, I was, I thought if it, as dumb as this sounds, I thought if it's over a hundred bucks, I'm not buying it. And ninety nine ninety is so close; it's not funny. But I thought if it's over, if like if they they originally quoted, I think a hundred nineteen, but they were quoting the. Uh, what is it called? The anyway, the collector's edition, whatever it is. And I was there was no way I would pay that for it. But they were doing ninety nine for the basic, and I still think that's a rip off. Yeah, regular listener Casmus uh, put us on the on the straight and narrow as far as finding better value versions. So yeah, uh, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, my and I'm not going to go on about this too much because Lord knows I banged on about this periodically um, enough in the past, I think. But just just briefly, uh, as best I've been able to tell forensically, because Activision are never going to, or Bungie are never actually going to come out and say what happened. As you probably know, Bungie were owned by Microsoft uh, during the production of the Halo games. Uh, Bungie then managed to, after the completion of, I can't remember which Halo it was, doesn't really matter, they basically bought themselves back now, a good number of their stuff actually hung around Microsoft, and uh, that's where 343 Industries came from. They're the, they continue to be the, the devs for the Halo series. Um, the, the bits of Bungie that did leave ended up going and taking up, um, well, uh, cohabiting, a, uh, I'm not sure, spooning, whatever, with Activision. And what that... From the, the word that's been coming out, uh, basically, Microsoft really put um, Bungie under an enormous amount of pressure to 
come up with sequels, um, which I don't think Bungie particularly appreciated. However, appears that Microsoft also gave them an enormous amount of freedom and latitude to do produce the games they wanted to. Activision has not been a big step up in hindsight from that uh, because they're probably getting a bit less pressure. Um, obviously, they're getting less pressure to, uh, to produce sequels because that's not how Activision rolls. Mm. And that's certainly not how um, Destiny's rolling. But they have also ended up with an awful lot less freedom, which is one of the reasons I suspect why the head writer ended up leaving um, well before release because he saw how and he's actually ended up going back to uh, to work with Microsoft uh, on Halo games because he I suppose he sees that he can get the, the big epic stories that he wants to tell told there that franchise and that company are going to let him do that yeah. Activision isn't the, the problem with what they wanted to do that is what Bungie were hoping to do was tell another big sweeping story that would unfold um, over over a period of time. However, it wasn't something that could be compartmentalized, broken up and split into pieces as Activision ended up demanding. Yeah. Uh, which is why you've ended up with a whole lot of stuff that makes no freaking sense whatsoever. No, it wasn't just a case of... Um, Bungie not having enough time to do it. It's what basically Bungie didn't have quite enough time to do was take the game apart and put it back together in a different configuration. That's what that's where they ran out of time. It's not that they didn't have time to do the game they wanted to do. They didn't have time to take apart the game they had and reassemble it in, in the form that Activision was demanding. So that's been that's been part of my gripe from the beginning, which and it's I've been asking myself, it's a video game, get over it. Don't be so stupid. So that's I have dipped back into Destiny and had a bit of a play and I have toyed with the idea of maybe getting the Taken King. (laughs) You've toyed with it. I have toyed with it. I'm I'm not going to lie. I, I have thought about it. Did you but watch? Did you, did you watch any of the un, uh, the reveals that they've been doing on Twitch TV? I have, and I have to admit that what they produ- what looks like it might be coming up, could be quite good. I particularly like the way that it sounds like they're going to be um, folding some of. Sounds like the Grimoire card content is going to be folded into the game itself, and I think this is one of the reasons why Peter Dinklage didn't come back. Maybe he just wasn't interested, but also I think Nolan North is going to be doing an awful lot more voice work than Dinklage probably was either inclined to do or Bungie were going to be able to afford. So they went for a a jobbing actor, again, an extremely capable and talented one. I've never encountered any voice work that I haven't enjoyed and I suspect I'd enjoy him in in Destiny as well. Um, But there's going to be a lot more dialogue because uh, you you wander past things and you'll have an option to scan the, for the, your ghost to scan things and then the the ghost will tell you about the stuff. Okay. So statue, scan it, he'll tell you about it. You walk past something. So there's a way of actually bringing some of the the deeper story content, well not deep story content, but the the background, the color yeah. of the universe, restoring some of the color to the universe. I really like that idea and it's so badly needed for anyone who wants to have some idea of 
where they are, what's going on, who they're fighting, what the distinctions between any of these groups are. Because at the moment, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to tell unless you do read, read the criminal accounts. Uh, again, um, was, it, was it Kasmus who pointed out the, that uh, podcast? Uh, I can't. It was either him or Ben McJanet. Yeah, I can't exactly remember. Yeah, that. sorry, guys, I can't remember. But again, thanks for uh, for that. Uh, I think perhaps we, if we can include the links to that, anyone who's interested in Destiny and doesn't want to have to read the Grimoire cards, which is I've tried it, it's boring. Um, but someone's actually done a, a bit of an ODS one and uh, done podcasts of most of that content. Uh, well worth listening to. Very digestible. Probably more digestible than listening to this right now. <laughs> oh, so, anyway. harsh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't want to go on a rambling rant, although that's probably where we are right now. So anyway, so that's – so yes, there's, there's going to be more content. Um, the ghost is going to actually do stuff. You're going to interact with him. Uh, a lot of the, the interesting content that was cut – uh, and the the grand story that's gone forever because they can't. As we've already covered they they can't put that back in. They they can't build it, and Activision wouldn't want them to anyway. Yeah, because that's not going to work with the current um, model of eking stuff out. Is it, it too expensive? Do they have a p? Do they have, continue to stumble on the PR grounds? Yes. Is that why I'm not going to buy it? No. Basically, I don't want to encourage this kind of behavior from companies and i know one person not buying the content isn't going to help i well no it's not it's it's the same reason i'm not bothering with ea access i quite like the idea Uh, for anyone who doesn't know ea access is something that uh, uh, electronic arts brought to both playstation and uh, sony and microsoft uh, and it's essentially you pay five bucks a month and you get access to all the EA games they put in, in what they call the vault. And uh, and you also get uh, to early access to things and get involved with betas and things like that. And on the face of it, it sounds like quite a good idea and it's it's actually pretty good value. In fact, Xbox owners, Xbox One owners are going to get to play Battlefront before Sony people do because it's going to be early access in, um, in um, EA access. And Sony passed on it because they didn't think it was good value, and, uh, which maybe Sony PR speak for. We wanted the money for ourselves, thank you. We don't want to split, start splitting things off, which from a business standpoint, I can't say I blame them. Yeah. The thing I don't like about EA access and why I've never considered trying it is because if it works for EA, then Activision are going to go, oh, it works for them. Why, is it not? Why don't we do that? Yeah. Why don't we have Activision access? And Ubisoft is going to do the same. Oh, that's a nightmare. You know, it's a bit like if you're a PC gamer and you uh, you want to update a game. If you go into Steam, anything you bought off Steam will update automatically. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. Every, everything's on a hub. Um, a bunch of other games, though, you have to you have to go through like a... Uh, Glyph is the one that um, Tryon use. Yes. Or for their three modes, so Arcade, uh, Defiance, and Rift. Yeah, and Blizzard have theirs and so on. Blizzard have theirs, but that's really only for WoW. No, no, has all the games. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's at least unified. But there's a, you end up with an awful lot of launches because there's an yeah. awful lot of publishers out there. 
So what's it going to end up costing if um, Ubisoft, Activision, EA and whatever other publishers decide to start offering things like this? You're going to be paying for your online subscription. Um, if you've got Spotify and you've, you've got paid Spotify, yeah. that. Uh, if, uh, and then you've got f- at least five, six bucks, and this is US, uh, for each, each of these packages from each of these individuals. And then what happens is they'll end up... Sp- like Activision have done, this is another reason why I don't want to like supporting that. And Activision aren't the worst. No, they are the worst at this, but they're not the only ones that that split content off of the game and then try and sell it to you later for a bit of extra cash. Now, Peter Moore, who uh, is, what is he? He's the, well, basically, he's the head PR jerk at EA. He's actually a very smart and very capable man, but every time he opens his mouth, uh, a PR a, a PR um, masterclass falls out of his mouth, basically. <laughs> um, is, he the, is he the guy that contacted us to advertise on our podcast, I'm sure, in the near future? No. Okay, no, good. He, he flies in the rarefied air that you and I will, would never even know. No, I know. But I, I don't think he's likely to call anyway now. Because, <laughs> um, oh. you know, we, we, we totally tiptoe around potential advertisers. That's just the way we roll here. Yeah, yeah, we do. Fuck them all. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, look, it's, it, it, it's, look, if someone wants us to, to let people know that they're out there for, uh, for a couple of bucks, quite happy to do that. Um, but if you're going to be a, a jerk, uh, we're, we're going to say that you, you're being a jerk. So um, fortunately, I don't know if Tryon being a jerk, so <laughs> I can't speak to that. But I can definitely speak to Activision. And we all know EA have been jerks. And basically, if the if in a long story short, if the Destiny model continues to work for Activision, then others are going to copy it. And I it's I do not want to encourage it. I do not want to engage in that behaviour. You know what it reminds me of is a real world non gaming example that might keep any non gamer listeners hanging on for a few more minutes, and it's the self serve checkouts. Ah. As far as refusing to support them. Because, and like I, I know I have a, an elderly relative who uh, basically got extremely angry with a, a, a friendly, um, it was in Coles, a Coles person, uh, though he was lined up, you know, eight behind at a, 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 a human checkout. And um, obviously the, the drones there at Coles, I mean drones in the most loving way possible, uh, one of the managers approached him saying, I'll oh, serve um, some of the self-serve ones are about available if you would like to go over there and it was like a red rag to a bull there's no way i'm going over there because that's supporting you know putting people out of work and you know what i think he's right and from what i gather from reading in the u.s and in europe um they went self-service and there's been a big backlash against it and they've actually started reverting back the other way so your point of not supporting this model might actually have a lot of validity in that I've, if there's enough of a backlash, they will have to change their tack. Yeah, and, but that's part of the problem as well, is that it's a, a case of, and a lot of a lot of organisations know this, if you stick to your guns long enough, people will eventually come around. Yeah, buckle under, yeah. Yep. Um, back, my first job was at a local building society, and I remember when the first ATM started coming out, uh, the, you know, automatic teller machine. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, yeah, that was the, the first thing that, that occurred to pretty much most of us is 
people start using these things, then we're not going to need as many tellers. We're not going to need as many this. We're not going to need as many that. Um, but uh, New Zealand being New Zealand, uh, what was it? there was a politician in New Zealand, uh, Trevor De Clean, he said you couldn't have civil unrest in New Zealand. You, you can't get them out of bed. <laughs> now, if anyone in New Zealand finds that, uh, that objectionable, uh, it's still true from what I know. Um, well, I yes. think that's one of New Zealand's biggest qualities. Well, look, it's in a lot of ways, it's a lot more progressive than than Australia. Oh, god, yeah. Uh, it'll probably become a republic before we do. It's changing its or looking at changing its flag before we do. Uh, it's um, it's representation in parliament, um, votes for women, all of this sort of everything happened bef- there before it happened here. Oh, geez, yeah. Um, it's it's sort of sort of Australia's Canada. And, and, it's, and it, it's true, it's prettier. And I don't, yeah, and the people are a lot more polite. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so so I'm not I'm not putting down New Zealand or Canada by making that comparison. I think it's a comparison that would actually stand up. Australia and um, the US tend to be uh, louder, brasher, um, just a lot more flag waving goes on. New Zealanders get very embarrassed by flag waving for the most part, unless it's a sporting event. And they might be even more embarrassed depending on which flag's chosen, although I don't think it'll get up. I don't think he probably will either. And uh, <laughs> there's some horror. It's, I wonder actually if it's a little bit like the and we've we've made a beautiful tangent and uh, turn off here. But I can't help wondering if it will end. It's uh, basically been pre-sabotaged by whoever's running this thing. Like the uh, do you remember the the Republican convention that was held here in Australia and basically all the models been argued over and the Prime Minister of the day basically sabotaging that and the way the whole thing was set up so it would it was it was designed to fail yeah so I, I can't help wondering if that's maybe let people think that they're having an impact and that their voices are being heard blah 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 blah, blah. and then of course the whole thing just sort of gets put into subcommittee folded up and then pushed off into a corner where no one ever sees it again my vote would be for the black and white silver fern I think that's the one that makes the most sense yep but anyway what do you think Australia's new flag should be? Uh, see, you know what? I just don't think... Uh, like some of the... Four, is it 40 they present in New Zealand? Some of them are abominations. Australia would be Absolutely. 10 times worse. Uh, yeah, hideous is, is not a word that is appropriate to a lot of the, the options. Like I could see an Australian option being a, a guy in a cork hat, like a hat with corks hanging off it, driving an EJ Holden, uh, waving a beer out the window. And and there would be a tiny percentage of the population would think that was a great thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, the obvious one would be the Eureka Stockade flag. That would be the one I reckon would get a lot of sympathy. It mm, it probably would, but then it's it's got such so tied up with the the labour unions. I'm not sure. Yeah, true. Some people would just in, instinctively recoil from the very idea. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm totally on the fence as far as changing or not I can see the the advantage or sorry the other one would be the Aboriginal flag it's a very striking flag it's you know I love the colour scheme I love what it represents that would be another option but again I doubt you'd get that over the line in a referendum I guarantee you would not no no for one reason it doesn't represent everybody if if it's got to be anything it's something that's got to have a little bit of of everyone it's got to be something that it, and having a, a pre-existing political agenda behind it is not going to work. No. 
So both of those flags are out of the running. I, I guarantee you that if that debate ever came up, would never happen. We'd probably be better off with something... What about ACDC? Just a, a flag with a, the ACDC logo on it. Yeah, that would be fine as long as it didn't feature the the uh, the urine yellow and god-awful green that seems to end up on the... That's the trouble. Oh, the, oh, the national colours. The, the, I don't have a problem with the idea of green and gold. It's just a matter of which one. To, I don't know if you remember the Sydney Olympics, but they, they chose more of a... The, the yellow was more of a kind of an... Sort of an ochre. It was a bit more representative. Yes, that's of, right. Of, of the uh, of the red of the redness of the of the of the, of the soil. Um, so not brown, but the, there's a it's a lot of iron oxide. That's uh, right. So it's a, more of an ochre. But uh, that and it was kind of a sort of a sagey green, but a bit deeper than that. And I do remember the Sydney Olympics. I'm one of those sad guys that still has his Olympic volunteer uniform in his closet. Oh, I think that's I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I still have. Uh, all my PAX badges. Yeah. So I don't I, know. <laughs> I'm still waiting on the call up. So suddenly we're having the Olympics again and we need the volunteers back. I live for the I live the for the day. It'll never happen. Oh, I'm I'm beginning to think that you buying the Taken King might be even even though I don't approve of you supporting shitty business practices. Um <laughs> at I, least I, keeps my mind occupied. I, I think yeah. <laughs> I think you need the distraction. Uh no, look, it was one of those things. If you were at Olympics at the time and everyone raised it, oh, it was such a wonderful two or three weeks. It was. The trains ran on time. It was like Mussolini's day. The trains ran on time. Everyone was excited. And you can never, if it was like that every day, people would start killing each other. Yeah, although that's actually a, a uh, an urban legend. Yeah, I know. Just yeah. speaking, the trains didn't run any, any better or more timely under the fascists than uh, they did before or after. Well, we're discovering that now under Abbott. Oh, uh, how how stupid! How stupid can one man be? Uh, sorry, it was. Did, were you doing that as a segue to talk about the American? Oh, um, uh, uh, Halloween! Oh yeah, we're talking about Halloween. Okay, I was thinking Donald Trump, but that's you oh know. Trump. Yeah, oh, I think Trump's just a sideshow, and he's not going to get pre-selected. Or if he does, I think I might have mentioned this previously. If he does, it's going to make for one of the most entertaining four years in American history before. Uh, America sinks into the ocean. I've made this. I've made this um, observation to a few people. You know that uh, was, it, was it October 29th or something like that. This year is uh, when Marty McFly jumped into the future. Oh, okay. Do you remember that Biff um, owned a casino in the in 2015? Um, no, I need to rewatch that. I have. I've obviously watched. I need to rewatch him. I'm, I'm thinking if if Trump is still in the lead. Uh, when the anniversary ticks round, that we're we're awfully close to having Biff running things in this timeline as much as it was in that timeline. Yeah, I have huge respect for people that write time travel because this ridiculous novel I'm writing, I'm eighty three thousand words in, and I've totally regretted even approaching the idea of time travel. But it's it's the basis of the whole book, and I've totally regretted it. <laughs> Tell me why. Why? Tell us. Well, because, uh, well, number one, it didn't help that there was this brilliant article published in the last three months where it's, you know, rebuts every fiction approach to time travel and how that it can't work that way. And you go, okay, well, that's fine. It's fiction. I, I just have to work around that. But that put a big bummer on it for me, for starters. Um, I just, from a pure organisational and logistics viewpoint, have so much trouble developing plot lines that don't 
develop huge holes based on the fact, well, if you could time travel, actually they would have foreseen that happening. Away. Like, it's just a nightmare. I'm and basically at the stage I'm relying on the reader not thinking of these g- g- holes and therefore if they don't think of them, they won't fall in them. Well, that's a perfectly valid strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is to some extent. It's moving along at a brisk enough pace. And yeah, that's right. About it until later. Uh, to be perfectly honest, the I've had a dabble with the idea of, of writing um, myself and I've, I've had a couple of cracks at it. As usual, my ambition was just yeah. so completely over the top that it becomes an insurmountable object. So I, I just basically give up at that point. But one of the decisions I made fairly early on is it doesn't matter if the the science you're using is is valid in the here and now, as long as it's internally consistent. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, whatever mechanisms you're using, as long as as long as you've worked out how it's working in your your universe and you stick to those rules, I think you have a lot less resistance and a lot less problem from people because it's fiction ultimately. That's and right. uh, let's face it, the way science works is it's constantly being uh, tested and we keep finding out things. And when you consider that we don't know what 98% of the universe is made of, or was 90, more than 95% anyway. That's right. You, you don't rule anything out. You can't really rule anything out because basically when you think of it in those terms is we know sun come up in morning, sunset at night, earth go round sun, and uh, a lot of the rest of it is sort of um, ongo bongo beating, beating um, <laughs> that's right. that sort of bone against the, against the cave wall. And yes, I know dinosaurs didn't exist at the same time as cave people, so don't bother pointing that out. No. But um, just on your point of you've ri- uh, tried writing before and given up, I, I've done that many times over the years, and the only reason I've got to 82,000 words, which alone I think is a lifetime achievement for me, whether it sees the light of day or not. Well, I'm impressed. Um, but you know how I've done that is because, like you, I've tried to get involved in writing a novel. It's never worked. I've treated it like um, shaving. So what I've done, January the 1st, 2014, so, you know, 18 months ago plus, I decided I was going to write a novel and I, I instead of writing like NaNoWriMo does, where the, which if you haven't checked that out, it's where you write a novel in a month. There's a great site, NaNoWriMo.org, uh, which is November from memory. Um, I decided to do, instead of doing 50,000 words in a month, decided I would do 50,000 words in a year, which if you do the mass works out at roughly 134 words a day. I downloaded an app, Scrivener, which a lot of people will be aware of if you're into writing, yep. um, and highly recommend it. Great app. Um, and so every day I find 10 minutes, which is all it takes, to knock out 134 words. And I've done that for 18 months, and that's why I'm at 82,000 words. Now, I'm lucky enough being a freelance writer that I can cope okay with that. Some people go, there's no way I could do that because... I would forget what I've done the previous day, and there'd be this—it'd be this awful jagged narrative. Well, in freelance writing for technology and stuff, you've got to write tiny snippets and make them cohesive. So that's never worried me. But I just—all those people out there that are going—I've always wanted to write a novel, but never got there. Try try that method. Just the bite size a day, 
and make it. And if you know you've got a weekend coming up where you can't do it, well, it's not the end of the world to do 260 words the night before and you've got two days off. Mm. Um, and it's worked brilliantly for me. Yes, it will require a decent edit at the end of it, although thanks to Scrivener, that's not as big an effort as it would be otherwise if you're doing it in Word or whatever. But I think a serious edit by me and I may pay a little bit of money to get a professional edit done after that and I'll put it out and we'll see how it goes. I think it sounds really interesting. So I want to see you do it, Simon. 134 words. I did write a, a, um, a script treatment which someone actually told me was about 75% of a novel. Well, just, there you go. Just as far as size goes. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe my my world of of spaceships and magic might see the light of day. Ten minutes a day. Most people, unless you're the Prime Minister, and even the Prime Minister gets in ten minutes of time for himself every day. No no one would usually have the excuse not to find ten minutes a day. Oh, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. I can procrastinate like that. Oh, yeah, so can I. (laughs) Having said that, when I look back at what I've built in Minecraft, if I'd actually put that into... That's right. Yeah. Mind you, I, I enjoy building things in Minecraft more. But the advantage of this is you do the 10 minutes on your word count and then you do Minecraft anyway. That's what I like about it. You're not giving up one thing for another. So, like tonight... Oh, I'll, should, I'll, should I'll... The functioning redstone word processor in Minecraft and write a book on that. Well, that, see, that would get you huge PR points. No, it get me carted away because it's freaking insane. Yeah, I know. But, you know. I've probably done it, though. I mean, tonight I'll, you know, edit this podcast, get it up live, do my 134 words, and then still probably play some <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 hmm. so, it, it is awfully addicted. I mean, I, I don't hate... I'm still disappointed by Destiny, but I don't hate it. As I I said to you earlier in the week, I got as far as, um, what was it now, the the Black Garden? Yeah, yeah. And uh, took out the first first two statuary bosses, just couldn't get through the third one. Then I realised that, um, okay, well, I'm level 17 and this is a level 18 thing. I'm doing it solo and, oh, what's this? There's two story missions on Mars that I completely skipped by for some reason. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just intended to jump in three hours later and found myself looking forward to going and doing some patrols on Mars and just getting a few things leveled up. And then I thought, yeah, you, you're getting sucked in yeah. again. And there is enough new content there. The And I, I'm kicking myself and I don't want to stuff the recording up by Googling it now, but the new th- option at the reef where you do five waves of foes, um, that's really cool. I can see it will get monotonous after a while, but there's some new options there and with the expansion, the Taken King, what I've seen for the reveals of the strikes and there's stuff on the rings of Saturn and that. There's enough new stuff that you go... Yeah, this is looking good, but I still begrudge paying another hundred bucks on top of what I have, plus the PlayStation Plus uh, fee to be able to bloody find groups. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get to a, a limit with all that. I I have to admit, another thought that had occurred to me was, again, I'm going to wait and see what what gets written because yeah. 
I mean, the pre-orders for this thing sold out pretty much. It was slow up until E3, and then there was the E3 reveal, and then everyone, everything got bought up. Okay. See, so I, I didn't realise that. I, I went and had a bit of a check just to have a chat at the, the local shop just to see how things were going. So, yeah, I if if all of this um, all of this law stuff is getting pushed back into the game, I'm severely. No, not severely tempted, but I'm definitely toying with the idea as if, if I do get it, starting a new character all over again. And that doesn't sound like you. No, I know. <laughs> but I, if if these so many changes are being made, yeah, you want to experience it from the start. No, like I'd like to experience it like a year two player. Yeah, to because a year two player is going to actually because we've been beta testing this piece of crap. Yeah. For for twelve months, after paying, you know, a hundred bucks, a hundred, yeah. depending on whatever version you got. So, you, if you're gonna, if I ever do, I'm gonna have to start from the beginning again because I want to experience everything. Because I, I'm gonna have to want to get value for money out of this thing. Yeah. Well, having said that, I did notice on eBay earlier this week that the auction's still going on. I have to check it again. Um, as as People who uh, listen to any of our podcasts know I've uh, lamented getting the Ghost Edition, which had the little plastic Dinklebot. Oh, yeah. Uh, two things have occurred to me. One, um, this little hunk of plastic is going to be the only audio evidence of Peter Dinklage's involvement. Uh-huh. So this this little thing's suddenly become a time capsule because it's his his existence in the game is going to be completely erased um, after after this. Next. So, what are they going for on eBay already? Um, the one thing I looked at, there was uh, quite a number of bids, and I still, I think there's still another day to go, and I think it got up to about 175 US. Oh, that's all right. So, that's uh, six thousand Australian. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be some way of financing um, any involvement. Yeah. Uh, particularly when Peter Dinklage dies in episode two of the next season of Game of Thrones, it'll go through the roof again. Mm. Oh, spoilers. Yes. Yeah, sorry, spoilers. Mm. Uh, oh, you heard, oh, we won't go into it now. You heard about the new theory Which about th- Jon Snow's parentage, not the, the one that, um, oh, you know, it's the something plus something equals something one. There's a new one. Um, that has a lot of merit. Oh, that uh, Marine, you know, the girl... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's Jon Snow's twin sister. And the, and they give all the examples from the books or whatever how they're both born in the same year at roughly the same time. Uh, Marine's a city. No, not Marine. Uh, Mar- Is that- you know the girl that uh, – you know the uh, Bran, who's obviously can turn into a wolf? Yeah. And he's travelling with those two companions. Yes. And one of them sacrificed himself so they can get away, the guy. Um, the one that had all those spooky powers. Yep. Um, and the girl that was with them. And she looks a little bit like Jon Snow. Um, that girl is Jon Snow's twin sister. It's, it's Mar- and I know, I know Marines the City is something similar to that. Interesting. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be. That was good research. I researched the shit out of that before coming on here. I think it's good that you you're not quite sure that you do keep it a bit general, a bit vague, and a bit 100 percent inaccurate, possibly. <laughs> uh, 
because that way we can't be well no one can really be accused of spoilers now because the books and the tv series yeah they've diverted so much yeah oh they've they've reached a, a similar point of mystery mira i've just looked at mira yep. reed the m e r a mira reed could be john snow's twin sister so Ned and Mira's father, Hal and Reed, fought alongside each other during Robert's Rebellion and they are the only two to survive when they went to the Tower of Joy to save Liana, who's Jon Snow's mother, is the theory. So there you go. Hmm. It's the latest theory. Well, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. It's going to be very interesting to see where they go. And I don't know how they're going to do the series and the books. I can only, I only assume that... I think um, they're just going to divert so widely, like they'll just treat them as two, two different things. A bit well, like Walking Dead's changed so much now that they're not really following the comic, except in broad terms. I don't know that I have a real problem with that. As, no, that's good. As, as long as Martin's involved um, so that it's got some sort of stamp of... Yeah. ...of uh, validity so things don't get completely out of... Of whack, but I don't really have a problem with with that. Which reminds me, I did watch the first episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. In the last week, um, a bit of a plotter because, like all pilots, it's got to establish all the story and the characters. But still right. enjoyed the hell out of it. Even so, hmm. um, it's worth a look. Um, there's not the shock if you've watched the Walking Dead. There's no shock value in it with the zombies and what they do because you see that every single week in Walking Dead. But it, the story's engaging enough and it's nice to be seeing zombies running around a still-living city. So, yeah, it's not bad. So speaking of pointless cultural phenomenons... Yeah. Halloween. Oh, right. Or do we save that for another episode? Maybe we should save it for the pre-Halloween episode, which will be... That will be about... I oh, know that's two episodes' time. will be just before Halloween. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's do that. I, I'm I'm positing that we should ban Halloween, but let's talk about that in another episode. If anyone out there has any ideas or thoughts or opinions or half-assed theories on Halloween, then why don't you let us know? And we can probably try and fold that into the content for that episode. In fact, if you have any ideas or suggestions about anything... Feel free to email us, uh, contact at oceanicgamer.com, or you can tweet David using at Creative Shed or me at RPGBeatsRL. For earlier episodes, visit creativeshed.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks very much for listening, and if you like what you heard or just enjoy rubbernecking at train wrecks, remember <laughs> to subscribe to us. Hear, hear. Thanks, Simon. It's been fun. You're welcome. I thought I'd. I thought. I'd wind things up. <laughs> it's always good to wind up. Convenient point to wind things up, I thought. Let's assume anyone's still listening. So should I turn off the recorder now? Um, no, you could leave it running for another five minutes and just sort of just general clattering around. All right, so let's pretend we're finished now. All right, we're done. Okay. God, I hate doing these podcasts. No one listens to them anyway. It's just so tedious. Like, we're too important for this. Yeah. I mean, I, that, yeah. that check we got from our last advertiser for half a mil, like you'd think we would have taken that and run, but we're still doing this shit. Well, just maintaining pretense so we don't have a bunch of people suddenly think, hey, something's happened, and then they start hitting us up for loans. Yeah, I thank God we've turned off the recorder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we're professional politicians and there's no way that we'd, we'd stumble and make a no. mistake in front of a hot mic. I idolise Donald Trump. 
He's, he's my role model and father figure. I'm just glad he's there. <laughs> yeah, like New Zealand. I'm glad New Zealand's there too. I love New Zealand. There's a lot of good things about New Zealand. And Zimbabwe. And Mussolini. Mussolini's not a country. Last, last time I checked anyway. <sighs> Thank God I turned off that recorder, otherwise it would have looked ignorant. Yeah. All right. I'm now seriously turning it off. Okay.